May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? Daddy's gonna do something really bad! Sometimes death is better. If it doesn't work, I'll just put him back. Pet Cemetery Rated R starts Friday, April 21st at theaters everywhere. Welcome to So What's the Problem, where we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy. And today we'll be discussing Pet Cemetery, which was released in the US on April 21st, 1989, and in the United Kingdom on November 17th, 1989. It was written by Stephen King, based on his book, and uh, directed by Mary Lambert. It stars Dale Midkiff, Denise Crosby, Fred Gwynn, Michael Hughes, uh, give me somebody else, um, and Brad Greenquist. No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Blaze Berthold. Blaze Berthold. That's a weird name. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> Jimmy and I have each thought of three problems movie has, as well as one positive. And let me find my little description. Okay. Lewis Creed and his family move into a new home and try to settle in. However, strange things happen after Lewis buries his daughter's cat in an ancient burial ground in the forest behind their house. Spooky shenanigans go on. You, you call those shenanigans? Shenanigans, yeah. Practically every night, Xander tries to sleep in our bed. Like, when mm-hmm. I go to bed, he'll... Or not every night, but every night I'm home when he goes to bed. He tries to sleep in the bed with me. And at this point, he doesn't even try to hide what he's doing. And, like, last night I was walking up the stairs, and he's standing at the top of the stairs, and he's like, I'm up to my shenanigans. And that's what he calls it when he tries to sleep in bed. Shenanigans. It's a good word. Yeah, I asked him, how long are you going to want to, are you going to try to sleep in this bed? And he was like, till I'm 13. He's like, I'm going to be up to my antics for a while. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) At least he's honest. You know, at least he's honest with you, Jen. Yeah, I guess. Right, so... Uh, this movie, I watched it as a kid, and um, I don't remember when, but i definitely seen it a few times in my life. But this is your pick, Jen. When did you first watch this movie? Um, I watched it, it was probably the 7th or 8th grade at a sleepover, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to watch it, because I didn't watch scary movies when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had nightmares about Chucky, and I've still never seen Child's Play. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. I had nightmares about Beetlejuice, because I thought Beetlejuice was a horror movie at first. Before I saw it. Um, like, I did not like scary movies. And I remember being at a sleepover, and they were like, we're going to watch Pet Cemetery," And I really didn't want to. And those bitches made fun of me, and I was forced to watch it, and it scared me. And all I remember about it, because I haven't seen it since, was Miko Hughes. Because mm-hmm. um, he was, like, I knew him as the kid from, from Full House, and then uh, New Nightmare. And he was always just kind of creepy and kind of a dick. But I guess we probably talked about that during New Nightmare. We did. Uh, seven or eighth grade, how old was that? Probably around 13. Nine. Like 12 to 14, something like that. Um, 
And I just, I didn't, it wasn't until I saw Scream that I started watching scary movies, really. Whenever I was reading the trivia, I read that Stephen King says it's the only book he's ever written that scared him. Mm-hmm. And that intrigued me. And also the fact that he wrote the screenplay for this. Um, well, you can definitely tell. <sighs> Stephen King's screenplay writing isn't the best. <laughs> well, here's what sucks is I wanted to, and I'm sure maybe I could have found something on Wikipedia or something. I didn't really look into it too hard. But on IMDb, I hate how they categorize the written by section mm-hmm. because there's no way there to look up what screenplays he wrote because anything based on anything he wrote yeah. is going to be listed under writer credits. And he has 341 writing credits. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't, like, I was kind of curious which screenplays has he written, but um, I couldn't look it up on IMDb because they list everything together. The same thing happens when I look up um, TV writers. Mm-hmm. Like if they created the show, then they're credited for every single episode and it's hard to find the ones that they've written themselves. And it's the same with like um, sequels or remakes or something that the, the mm-hmm. original writer also gets a credit for those because they created the characters. Yeah. It's usually like characters created by blah, blah, blah. So like the Rage Carry 2 will be in Stephen King's uh, filmography, even though he had nothing to do with it. But yeah, Wikipedia's better for that, though. Yeah. But that lasts everything that he writes, yeah. It just didn't occur to me to look at Wikipedia till I, literally until I was just saying it. Let's just get into the problems, and what is your first problem? So this is something that always bugs me. It's happened a lot in movies. It doesn't really happen anymore because now we have, like, Zillow and stuff. Like, you can go look at houses on the internet. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've watched a lot of movies and I feel like there's been a lot of horror movies where like, I get that if you're moving to a new place, you might not be able to afford or want to have both adults in the family go fly somewhere to look at houses, right? Mm-hmm. But like, they show up and, and Rachel, like, is super- she's seeing the house for the first time. Yeah. And he's asking her what she thinks. And I'm like, do people not take pictures? Like, if you were going to move somewhere, even if you don't have the internet, wouldn't you, like, bring a photo home or something? Like, for some reason, that really bothers me. Yeah, or view it. Just go and see it before you move in. Go and have a look, wonder about, find out if there's any ancient burial grounds behind the garden. Well, I don't think they said where they moved from, but I'm going to assume in that kind of case that it's like... They moved from far away and only one person was able to actually go yeah. and look at houses. But t- take a camera. Take your phone with you and take pictures. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's insane to me the idea of like moving into a house that you've never seen even a picture of. Yeah, it is very strange. And if you do, most likely that house is going to be haunted or something similar. Yeah, and also um, Lewis is very bad at putting houses. <laughs> Um, because he picked one with a road right uh, outside of it. He must have went on, like, when um, uh, truck drivers were having a day off when he went Mm -hmm. to see it. So, you know, I don't know. Or he could have seen some trucks and not understood that that's going to be a constant thing. Um, Yeah, but still, I mean, put a fence up or something before you move in. (laughs) Do something like that, because you know you have a two-year-old child that's going to run around... Or even your older child, she could still get hit by a truck. Yeah. Just because she's older doesn't mean you say... I mean, that's what happens in the 
remake. The only thing I remembered about this was Miko Hughes, but I forgot how young he was. Mm-hmm. Like I had pictured in my memory, I had pictured him older. Maybe, and that's mm-hmm. probably just because of the Full House of it all, because yeah. that's what I really associate him with. But Kid was little. Mm-hmm. He was good, definitely. Uh, so my first problem is cat jump scares. <laughs> If you've got a horror movie with a cat in it, somebody's going to throw the cat in from from behind the camera and then put an ADR cat screech over the top of it. And it happens about three times in this movie and it's annoying. Especially when the first one where um, Lewis is standing outside and you can tell that someone's just chucking this cat onto the branch of the tree and the cat's not making a sound. But then, because it's not moving its mouth or anything, and then you can just hear this huge screech. And it's like, that's very poorly done it now occurs to me that i'm really glad my none of my cats came into the room while i was watching this <laughs> i i watched it at home alone and i i did get kind of creeped out during the movie mm-hmm. just being here alone um mm-hmm. but the cats left me alone the entire movie there was someone whose cat died fairly recently there was a couple of moments where um i was kind of upset mm-hmm. uh and it was both times the cat died mm-hmm. because they, even though it wasn't a real cat, uh, when it's been hit by the car, the truck, and he lifts it up, it looks so realistic. Mm-hmm. What happens when, like, even dogs, cats or dogs die, is they still have their eyes open. They don't close their eyes when they, they die. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that, and then just remembering, like, a few weeks ago my cat died, was like, ah, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. But, um, but I knew... I could have vetoed this, but I knew getting mm-hmm. in that that's exactly what it was going to I didn't even in. think about that. No, no, it's all right. Sorry. No, but it's because uh, I thought, well, I know it's not the cats don't actually die in the movie. I know it's not real, mm. but the dummy cat that they've got for that dead cat was so realistic. It's triggering. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like things like this ever since I had a kid are harder to watch. Like when, when Gage gets um, killed. Yeah. That's harder. Like, I'm pretty sure when I watched it at the sleepover, like, we're just teenage girls. We're probably not really thinking too hard about the fact that a child dies, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. we're just watching it and it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a pretend movie, you know? But once you have a kid or, like, with you, like, have a kid that you care for a lot. Yeah. Um, it really changes how you watch these kinds of things. Definitely does. There's an episode of Walking Dead where um, Carol has to kill a kid or maybe it was a couple kids. I don't remember, but Xander was a little baby at the time and it traumatized me. Look at the flowers, Lizzie. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. That's, Ooh, that was, that was rough for me once I had a kid. And I think that if I, if it had, if that episode had aired a year before, I'd have been fine. Yeah. Lizzie, Lizzie kills her sister Mika because she, she knows that she's going to come back because Lizzie has got this weird fascination with zombies. Mm -hmm. And she knows that her sister will come back. And she's about to kill baby Judith and do the same where she gets found by Tyrone and... No, Tyrone. Tyrese. Tyrese and Carol. And Carol takes her out the back (laughs) and puts a bullet in her head and tells her to look at the flowers and don't look at her and she just shoots her. It's... Yeah. That's from the comic as well. Kind of. Yeah, it is from the comic. That's like 10 years old, so I don't really remember it very well. I just remember being really upset when she kills her. But I also like to hope that I would be like Carol if it were if there were a zombie apocalypse. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how old someone is or who mm-hmm. they are to you. 
if they're going to be a zombie, you have to kill them. Or if they're going to be, uh, like, troublesome to the group. Like, you, she could not let Lizzie live. That child could not be around Judith, who was a baby, and obviously other kids. If she, if she would just kill her sister like that, mm-hmm. she could do it to anybody. In the comic, it was two boys, and it was actually... Um, Oh, uh, Carl. It's actually Carl that killed... Not Carol, Carl that <laughs> killed uh, the, the other kid. Anyway, this is not the Walking Dead podcast. <laughs> but it's, it's <laughs> zombies, sort of. Yeah, zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your second problem? My second problem is the fact that they cast, like, what seems to be a grown man to be Rachel's sister. Like, I read the trivia. I know that they had trouble, like... You know, little girls were too cute or whatever. You put the right makeup on them, they can be creepy. Like, it's clear this is a this is like an older man. Yeah. And it does not work for me at all. It takes me out of it so much. Yeah. Um, I listened to the commentary. Mary Lambert said that they did try the girl thing, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but she actually started to feel bad that she was trying to get these cute little girls to be ugly. Mm-hmm. So she didn't want like a little girl to grow up to be the ugly, scary thing in a horror movie. So that's why she went with a guy. But the person that she chose is far too old. That's the thing is they. I mean, she could have pulled a Chris Columbus like in yeah. um, Home Alone when he put the wig on um, on a boy for Buzz's girlfriend because he didn't want to be like this girl is ugly, but. Um, it doesn't have to be a grown man. No, it was a weird decision. And like anything where that character showed up, it just was not working for me. Well, in the commentary, she, she doesn't refer to him as a man. She refers to him as a boy, but it's clearly not a boy. He, yeah, he looks too old. <laughs> um, I've heard a lot of people actually think that Zelda's like the scariest thing in that movie. Really? Yeah, I don't see it. I'm, I'm with you. It's like, it's just, it doesn't work. For me, either it's, it's a, clearly a grown man. So my second problem is Dale Midkiff, because okay. his performance is terrible, and he's terrible, and he should be ashamed of himself. <laughs> the cat gives a better performance than he does. All all fourteen cats that played the cat give better performances than he does. The best acting he does in the entire movie is when he screams no, when his child gets hit by a truck. And he screams no a few times. Mm. It's like, I believe that. But when he's talking normally and he's talking to his daughter or talking to things that his wife would deaf, he's speaking in such a monotone. It's just like, I expected to hear the director shout, can someone give Dale a wee nudge to wake him up, please? You know? Mm-hmm. It's not a good performance. And even when, uh, like later on, when the cat is dead and he goes over to see the cat, and Judge says, that's cat, and he just looks at the cat and goes, yup, that's Churchill, right? <laughs> and it's like, emote! You just, you spent 20 fucking minutes talking to your daughter about how her cat's not gonna die. You should have yeah. more emotion about this than, yup, that's Churchill, right? Fucking hell, man, his performance is atrocious. I heard they originally wanted Bruce Campbell. I would like to see Bruce Campbell do something like this. And to be sort of reined in a little when he's not the Sam Raimi saying, be big, be big, be 
Bruce Campbell being crazy. If he tried to do something like this where it was more sort of serious, I think Bruce mm. Campbell would have a better career. You think so? Yeah, I think he could do it. He could do this part, but he just gets sort of shoved into the he's the he's the comedy guy, he's the comedy horror guy, he's the makes fun of himself guy. Mm-hmm. And I think he should have had roles like this, and he was could have proved himself more. So what what did you think of Dale McKiff in this? Didn't think he was great. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Didn't, wasn't wasn't very impressed. No, like it 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 wasn't. I didn't think it was bad enough that it took me out of the movie that often. But there were a few times mm. where he was supposed to be emotional, where I was just like, I'm not really buying this. Yeah, exactly. I think Mary Lambert hired him because she fancied him. <laughs> she found him attractive. I think that's. I think that's. I actually thought that he was. He was someone. I thought he was like maybe um that he was in a TV show or something during the eighties and nineties, like a like a lawyer show or a, a um, hospital show or something. But I was looking up his uh, credits and he he didn't do anything like that. He just he just gets stuck in stuff like this and guest roles and shows and stuff like that. But I thought. My memory was he was a bit bigger at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, TV-wise, he was a bit bigger at the time. Yeah. yeah, because apparently, during the scene where he's just had the dream and... um, No, he's having the dream when he's seen Pascal for the first time uh, dead. And he's lying in his bed. Uh, Mary Lambert said that they had to shoot that twice. Because the first time, he was, uh, he was shirtless. And uh, the studio said, you need to shoot it with a... a sh- with him with a shirt on because it's too sexy. <laughs> yeah. You know, the funny thing is whenever I saw Mary Lambert's name on it, like at first I was thinking she directs American Psycho, but that was Mary Heron. And um, so I had half the name right. And I was like, why do I know the name Mary Lambert? And I was looking at her filmography. Like I haven't seen her movies. <laughs> and then I realized it's because when I was um, in high school, I wanted to be a music video director when I grew up. And I, Pretty much any video that came on MTV, I knew who directed it, and I must have seen like she directed one million music videos. Yeah, no, she's uh, yeah, she's very prolific music video director. So I must have known her from that. Yeah, that's how she got the Ramones. That's how she got the Ramones for the the song at the end, mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery, because she knew the Ramones, and uh, and that's actually how she got the job because she knew the Ramones. And Stephen King was like. Yeah, she's a good director. She knows the Ramones. Let's get the Ramones. <laughs> Bring her along. <laughs> the funny thing is, is I hadn't heard that song before. Oh, really? And it's in my head now. Like, it's a very catchy song. Like, I, fi- I finished the movie about uh, 20 minutes before we got on this call. And mm-hmm. the song is like, like, I guess now it's been almost an hour. The song's still in my head and I've only heard it once. Yeah. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. This movie had really short end credits because I let it play because I wanted to yeah. hear the song. And it was just the length of the song. Yeah. Well, the song's in Spotify, so it's going to be on um, it's going to be on our playlist. I think that's the only song that's in the movie. So it's going to be in the playlist. Well, there's another Ramon song. Is there another one? Yeah. When the guy hits Gage, he's listening to, um, I believe it's called Sheena's a Punk. Right. He's like really into it while he's while he's driving, and um, there's yeah. the only two songs in the movie. And um, I really love the Ramones, so yeah. Uh, the the remake has a cover version of that song, and it's not good. Um, <laughs> but the uh, Dale Midkiff isn't the only one that does that does like a bad job in this because I think Denise Crosby does as well. Apart yeah. from the scene where she's talking about her sister, I think she's better there 
than she is in the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. What is your third problem? My third problem. My third problem is kind of complicated. Um, it's like I have a problem with the ending, but I kind of respect the ending. Like, it's not that I think it's a bad ending, but I left the movie being very upset about Ellie mm-hmm. <laughs> because clearly the dad's gonna die. Mm-hmm. Ellie is going to be orphaned and have lost her brother and that's just way too depressing for me yeah that is and also ellie's uh, psychic Mm -hmm. but they just kind of gloss over that a little in this movie see i was reading about how they about that but i felt like it was pretty clear like they didn't make a huge deal of it but it's like I read something that said it wasn't clear she was psychic, and I'm like, no, it's pretty damn clear that she's psychic. Yeah. They just don't talk about, they don't talk about how she has the shining. Mary Lambert said in her commentary that she actually feels as though that she could have done a little bit more with it, that she's she wasn't happy with how she portrayed it as, you know, as her being psychic, but yeah, it's still clear. Yeah. It's still clear that the kid knows what's going on. Have you seen the remake? No, no, I haven't seen anything else Pet Cemetery. Although I do know the second movie, Mary Heron wanted to make it about Ellie, but the studio was like, no one wants to see a movie about a teenage girl. Yeah, Lambert. Lambert, Not sorry, I said Mary <laughs> I can't. Two that- female directors named Mary. There are so few female mm-hmm. directors out there that get movies yeah. that, of course, if there's two with the same first name, I'm going to get them confused. Yeah, of course. Um, So they didn't want... Was it going to be Teenage Ellie then? I guess so, yeah. Uh, I think Pet Cemetery 2 is actually better than this one. I don't know if that's controversial uh, with our listeners, but I, I think it's a, the superior film because this movie seems to be trying to do serious and it becomes a bit silly, whereas the second movie just goes all out with the silliness and ridiculousness and it's batshit insane and it's awesome um, and Clancy Brown's amazing in it. As a zombie, so <laughs> so I know that um, you know occasionally studios will re-release a movie in the theater for the anniversary of the movie, but usually it's just like a weekend mm-hmm. or whatever. Like a few years ago, I saw Cruel Intentions. In I say a few years ago, it was like five years ago. I saw Cruel Intentions in the theater, and it was just in the theater for a week or whatever for the twentieth anniversary. But now I'm kind of wondering, like, instead of making remakes that are so close to the original or that are you know just mediocre. I would love to see them just re-release a movie, do a big ad campaign, uh, whether it's new trailers or reusing the old ones, and just see what would happen. Like, if they just released Pet Cemetery in the theater, but, like, treated it as though it were a new movie. Yeah. What would that do? I'm just, I'm really curious. Like, would more people see it than if you were just doing the, you know, a remake? Like, would it be, would it be worse? I don't, I'm I'm curious. (laughs) I don't know, because this movie actually made money. Mm-hmm. In a budget of $11.5 million, it made $89.5 million. Oh, wow. Which is bloody good. Yeah. But the remake um, had a budget of $21 million and it made $113 million. Oh, damn. So the remake made a lot of money as well. Uh, and, of course, there's a, a prequel that is currently on Paramount+, Plus and it's about... When Judd was a young guy, and it's about the, I think it's about the zombie man and all that nonsense that Judd, mm. the story that Judd tells in this. It's about all that stuff, um, which is pointless. My third problem, and I did touch on it a little bit ago there when I said that this movie's silly, because my third problem is for being based on a series Stephen King book and covering such a he- heavy topic as losing one's child, this movie is incredibly silly. 
one of the things that bothered me is like they lay on the whole church the cat is not gonna die church is not gonna die he's not gonna die he's not gonna die oh he's dead mm-hmm. and some of the line delivery uh is just silly and seeing pascal on the plane was incredibly goofy he's just sitting on the plane pascal was almost one of my problems because like i just wasn't feeling the whole thing no Pascal's supposed to be the good angel mm-hmm. on his shoulder, and Judd is the bad angel. I missed it the first time watching this movie, but Judd is not necessarily the bad guy, mm-hmm. but he is he is like the bad influence on Lewis. Yeah. And, I mean, he pays for it with his life. Uh, but he's the one who talks Lewis into everything. Even when he's trying to put him off doing something, Mm-hmm. He does it in such a way that it, it inspires Lewis to do it anyway. So Mary Lambert sees um, sees him as the, the bad, the devil on the shoulder. Pascal's the angel, but I don't think they do enough with Pascal to, be, to, to do yeah. that. And he's not very good at it. When I read that, I thought it was interesting, the idea that Judd's the <clears throat> bad angel, because it's true, but it's also like, he's just so nice. Like, the idea yeah. that... Like, the nice, sweet guy across the road is the bad angel, and the creepy zombie ghost is the good angel. That's that's actually really interesting to me. Yeah, John Lefko plays him in the, in the remake. And while John Lefko is good, um, they do sort of play up that he's not that... He, he plays Judd more as the bad angel. Mm. He, he has ulterior motives kind of thing. But Fred Gwynn just plays it just fantastically because you believe that he is a guy, that he's a nice guy, mm-hmm. but he's he fucks everything up by saying all of this to them. <laughs> um, it's, it's his fault. He didn't have to tell them anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. That reminds me of, um, God, why can't I think of his name in Psycho? Uh, Norman Bates. Norman Bates, that, like, it's... And you know I'm a big defender of the the remake. Yeah. The thing that really works with Anthony Perkins is that he's playing this bad guy, but, like, he's really nice. <clears throat> like, you you really kind of feel for the guy when you meet him. And then Vince Vaughn, when he plays him, he's just like, oh, this guy's, this guy's crazy. Vince Vaughn plays him too sort of creepy, and mm-hmm. I don't find Vince Vaughn's version to be nice. I would, I would avoid Vince Vaughn's version, whereas... Mm. Anthony Perkins version would be like, "Hi Norman, how are you today?" <laughs> you know, I would have a conversation yeah. with Norman. Anthony Perkins version. There's something more interesting about the uh, the nice bad guy. Yeah, um, that's why my favorite big bad on Buffy is the mayor. Yeah, he's he is the best. Um, but the thing with uh, Anthony Perkins's version of Norman Bates is he plays him sort of more like innocent. Mm-hmm. In the sequels, um, he plays Norman coming out of prison as you know that he's reformed and he really wants to do good he doesn't want to hurt people um whereas vince Vaughn's version i think he'd be like yeah you know why not and mm. stab someone in the face why not <laughs> i mean i think anthony perkins was quite he was kind of tall he wasn't like um massive or anything but vince Vaughn just seems too big and imposing to play to play norman bates you know yeah. anyway what is your positive? I knew what it was, and I didn't write it down, and now I don't remember. Okay. I, I guess I'll say this. I Even though 
there is some cheesiness in the movie and there's a couple things that don't work for me. Um, mm-hmm. I do like that. It still scared me. Like the idea that I could be watching it on my phone too. Like, it's not even like I'm watching it on the TV. I'm watching it on the phone, which makes mm-hmm. everything less scary. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm watching it on the phone as a grown adult who doesn't really get scared at scary movies beyond jump scares. Um, cause jump scares will scare the shit out of me. Yeah. The fact that it still creeped me out. <laughs> Uh, and made me not want to be home alone. Yeah. I'll say that. I'll say that's my positive. That and I love the Ramones. Yeah. Um, that's why I had a problem with the movie being silly is because when it's creepy, it's creepy. It has some really good creepy moments in it that that should be the entire movie. I think they fucked up with um, hiring Dale Midkiff and Denise Crosby because they just give really poor sort of wooden performances mm-hmm. and I don't think they're suited to it at all. I don't even think... It's like Dale Midkiff doesn't even want to be there. Um, he'd rather just go to sleep in his trailer because he's just so sleepy all the fucking time. When you watch it, it plays as though it's like a horror comedy. But it's not a horror comedy. <laughs> it's supposed to be just a horror movie. But the mm-hmm. creepy moments get out sort of weighed by the silly moments and it just makes the thing sort of ridiculous and, you know, you just want to go, that's fucking stupid, and laugh at it. But then it should have had more of the creepy moments, I think. Because those are done well. Mary Lambert does that well. Well, my positive, I can kind of have two. Is mm-hmm. that okay? <laughs> yeah, I kind of had two because I threw in the Ramones. True, you did. So my first one is Fred Gwynn. Mm-hmm. He's so likable. Mm-hmm. He's so, you know, nice. And he reminds me of my grandfather and some of the way he speaks and uh, and the way, like, he walks and stuff. He just reminds me of him and he's just so lovable. And When he showed up, I was like, oh, this will be the creepy neighbor. And he wasn't creepy at all. Like, I expected it to be no. something totally different. Yeah, and he was sweet. He was a big old mm-hmm. sweetie. But then he is also the bad angel in disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the second one is Miko Hughes. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine being Dale Midkiff and being like outacted by Herman Munster and a toddler? <laughs> that that must sting. Yeah, Miko Hughes was a really good child actor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've made a lot of jokes basically for the last like 35 years about how creepy he is. But mm-hmm. he's only like two and a half in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he has a presence. Yeah, definitely. That was really impressive to me. And he's good at mm-hmm. being creepy. And I'm glad that they shot things so that he didn't have to, like, see blood or anything. Because yeah, sometimes you see a little kid in a horror movie and you're like, is this going to scar them? But, like, apparently they did things specifically to keep from scarring him. Yeah, definitely. When he bites into um, Judd's neck, it's, uh, it's Michael Hughes putting his head down because he's playing with Fred. That's mm-hmm. what he's been told to do, and he's playing with Fred, and then Fred will laugh at him and stuff like that. But then when um, he takes a bite out of his his neck and gets thrown away, that's a puppet, and it's very clearly a puppet that is jumping down from the from the attic. That is clearly a puppet. <laughs> and also, I commend Mary Lambert because they had fourteen cats on this movie, and not one of them was harmed. Because Mary Lambert is a cat lover. Mm-hmm. So that kind of thing just sort of makes me happy. 
Because especially back then, like movies like Milo and Otis, where they were killing actual animals just to get shots and stuff like that. Yeah. I have I have some notes. Okay. I had a cat once that would sleep under the covers with me, uh, like Church does in this movie. That's really mm-hmm. sweet. Um, don't shilly shally, Lewis. Give a give the little girl a promise. Is not how someone talks when they're referring to their own child. That line just was weird to me. Denise mm-hmm. Crosby says it to him. Don't shilly shally, Lewis. One thing she said that pissed me off is um, Fred Gwynn says. I think it's Fred Gwynn. Uh, that said they have to learn about death sometime. And she's like, why? Well, no, literally, like, everyone has to learn about death. <laughs> like, someone's going to learn about it. You see, I understand where she's coming from because of all the thing about her sister and all that. Um, but yeah, kids have to learn about that sort of thing. Stephen King required that the movie be shot in Maine. Why am I not shocked about that at all? You know, it's so funny. I thought I had read, because, like, doesn't he sell the rights to his stuff for like a dollar he has a a number of short stories that he wrote that he sells the rights to uh, for a dollar they're called dollar babies and he it's just a specific type of story it's not like it's not like the big major ones or anything it's 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 a it's one list of stories that he has that anyone, okay. like any students or anything, can just pay a dollar for the rights and they can make a student film out of it or whatever. Um, but yeah, he does that, which is great. But it's nothing like this. It's not like Pet Cemetery or. When I've read about it before, I had always read, um, and this is why you can't always trust what you read. Um, I had always read that he he'll sell any of his work for a dollar, and also yeah. that like he doesn't really have like, insist on having much of a say over things, and then I feel like in recent years I've read things that totally contradict that, because the fact that this had to be shot in Maine, like, that is him saying, oh, you have to do this. Yeah, but that's for, like, the big productions. Like, the dollar babies are allowed to do whatever they want. I'm gonna guess when it comes to the stuff that costs more and that he has more say in, that it's things like this that he just likes more. Like, it's kind of like, um... The, I know that he's really, really protective of the Gunslinger series. Mm-hmm. I feel like J.J. Abrams was supposed to do it at one point, and then it never happened. Is it not Mike Flanagan that's doing that now? I don't I don't know what's going on with that now. I don't. I think Mike Flanagan's doing it for Amazon. Okay. The funny thing is, like, when I was reading the IMDb trivia, you know, I always take screenshots of the trivia that I find mm-hmm. interesting or whatever. We naturally went through all the trivia I had. Yeah. I don't have to bring any of it up because we already went over. I had like seven screenshots, and we already yeah. cut. We like we. I didn't have to like bring any up unnaturally or anything. Yeah, just a couple bits more of uh, my notes. Uh, trucks are evil in this movie. <laughs> I mean, they are. I mean, that's mm-hmm. intention, right? Right. They kill Pascal and they kill Church and they kill Ga- kill Gage. So, you know, all the majority deaths in this movie are from the trucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Micmac burial ground was shot from above. You know, you see there's aerial shots of the, the burial ground when they're first going to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is, according to Mary Lambert, that's the spirits looking down on Lewis committing sacrilege. Interesting. Uh, Zelda was played by a man. Did you know that, Jen? Uh, yes. Blah, I've said that, I've said that, I've said that. I've said that. Uh, I've said that. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the laughter from Demon Gage 
later on in the film is actually Mary Lambert. Okay. Yeah. Some of it is uh, Miko Hughes, but then some of it is uh, the director. That's all of my notes. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> there you go, Jen. Another one bites the dust, as the kids say these days. Do they? Do the kids say that these days? No, they don't. Yeah. No. Kids haven't said another one bites the dust since 1979 when Queen had a hit to that song. Next week, do you know, I actually was almost going to pick Pet Cemetery too. But I wish you had. I just, but because um, oh shit, what's his name? Edward Ever Furlong. Been. Yeah, he's in that. But I've decided to go with a different Edward Furlong movie from nineteen ninety four, and okay. it's a movie called Brain Scan, and it's on YouTube because it's a movie that nobody really talks about. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just had to write it. I had to write it down in a post it because I was like, "There's no way I'm going to remember what yeah. we're watching." Brain scan. It's about a uh, an interactive video game. Sounds awful. It's you'll see. Um. Anyway, that's all we have time for. Uh, just go to the website shiftybench.co.uk. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is the email address. Where can people find you online, Jen? At Pilot Inspectors at Twitter.com. Although Twitter. I, I don't know if Twitter.com will take you there. I don't even know if... Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think it's called anything else. I think it's always been called Twitter and always will yeah, be called it's Twitter. Twitter. It's just Twitter. Yeah. So, uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.